light outdoors, but now she discovered they were blue. Not Cedric's lazy, sweet blue, but a dark, demanding hue. He was more muscled than Cedric. She disliked exceptionally muscled men, she reminded herself. But she would guess that he was the same height to the half-inch. She should curtsy. Oh, for heaven's sake, she exclaimed without thinking. Did you know who I was? You've met, Lady Portmeadow cried, her head swiveling between them. Your grace, why did you- We'd not been formally introduced, the Duke bit out. And no, Miss Pelford, I had no idea who you were. He appeared unamused. Mary's heart sank to the bottom of her slippers. Likely he thought that Cedric should have introduced the two of them. Mary had to admit that she agreed. But he bowed, so Mary responded with a hasty curtsy. As she straightened, she glanced around, hoping to see Cedric. Her mind was reeling with the fact that she had unwittingly engaged in a -a tete-a-tete with her fiancé's brother. It was unthinkable. How could the laughing stranger on the balcony, the man who made her feel witty and desirable, be the brother whom Cedric had described with such disdain? There was something very unsettling about having had a flirtatious conversation with one's brother-in-law. Almost brother-in-law. I look forward to dancing with your daughter later this evening, Lady Portmeadow, the Duke said his tone strongly suggesting that their hostess withdraw. The lady's eyes were eagerly darting between the two of them as if she were taking notes for the tuppenny press. There was no need to be impolite to their hostess merely because she was a bit nosy, so Mary gave the Duke a look that said as much. I expect you'll wish to ask Miss Portmeadow for a minuet, Your Grace. She is one of the most accomplished young ladies of my acquaintance and she dances beautifully. Spoken like the sister you shall soon be, Lady Portmeadow exclaimed. Now that your brother has found a wife, your grace, you must look for a duchess. Why, we scarcely see you in society. I do not enjoy dancing, the Duke stated. Ah, but Miss Portmeadow is divinely graceful, Mary insisted. If there was one thing she was certain of, It was that she didn't want the Duke to think that she had any interest in dancing with him. Miss Pelford, when will you marry Lord Cedric? Lady Portmeadow asked brightly. Mary winced inwardly. Taking a deep breath, she reminded herself that her third engagement would be her last. We have yet to make plans. She forced her mouth into a smile. The Duke's expression darkened as if he might explode. Apparently, he disapproved. Cedric had described his brother as dictatorial, not to mention ill-disposed toward Americans. As head of the family, he might believe that he had power over his brother's decisions. If that was the case, his grace would have to learn differently. American women did not allow themselves to be pushed about by a man simply because he was titled. Mary straightened her shoulders and turned to their hostess. You must put the Duke down for Miss Portmeadow's supper dance, she said sweetly. As part of the family, I shall make it one of my first tasks to see that His Grace finds a wife.
Lady Portmeadow seemed surprised by the suggestion, but, as Mary surmised, she was not one to look a gift horse in the mouth. If the Duke of Trent took Miss Portmeadow in to supper, eligible gentlemen would take notice. She smiled, waggled her fingers, and slipped away before his grace could say yay or nay. They stood looking at one another silently. The Duke had a cross look on his face. Even so, he was wickedly handsome. As handsome as Cedric. In that instant, she realized exactly why he didn't care for the idea that Cedric was marrying her. It had nothing to do with her nationality or his right to approve of his brother's spouse. It was their conversation on the balcony. The Duke thought she was a trollop, a woman who accosted utter strangers and flirted with them in the near dark. It was unfortunate, indeed it was humiliating, that they had...